get people involved in that which you want to create. It is insanely difficult to make these kind of shifts and transformations on your own. Put yourself in a circumstance, in a situation that will allow for this to happen naturally versus you having to do all the heavy lifting. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. We're interrupting this podcast to bring you a very important message. We have huge news to share with you. So I don't know if you guys know, but for the past year or so, Guy and I have been secretly putting together a brand new training. We're calling it the Have It All Masterclass. Now, it's a very unique 100-day masterclass that's geared to unlock your true God-given potential. I'm not talking about just any old class. I'm talking about busting up all of the old useless programs and upgrading them to whole new levels. So in order to deliver this, we've done a ton of work. We've put together an app so that you can take this everywhere you go. We've even gamified the whole process so that it's easy and pleasurable to go through. Like I said, we've put a ton of time and a ton of money into creating this and we're officially launching it in July. Now, Guy and I, to launch it, will be hosting a live class as the big unveil. And during this new class, new training, I should say, we're going to share five pillars with you that will help you create your have-it-all life. So for now, all you have to do is head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and save your seat immediately. Now, I'm going to let you know that as of now, our new masterclass will not be able to fit all of you. In fact, Our intention is to actually start this very, very small because it's a live training. So as soon as all the seats are filled up, that's it. We're shutting it down. So like I said, act now. Head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and get yourself ready for some massive, massive expansion. Now, if you have a friend or a family member or someone that you really love and you want to invite them to this, please share this link. This is not going to be something that you want to miss. And with that, Love you all, and back to your normally programmed podcast. All right, so um, everybody, um, so kind of like a, a vulnerable share here on my part, um, oh. which just seems to be the, uh, the, the the usual these days. <laughs> um, I so we we were discussing, and then we'll just rediscuss the whole situation. I um, you know the last uh, month I haven't made too much. I really haven't been hiding that I've been going through some pretty. Um, I don't want to say difficult, but just, you know, emotional challenges that have really hit close to like core wound stuff and then we go through that. And it's interesting to watch what shows up around that, like the, the how it manifests itself physically. And for me, one of the ways that it manifests is uh, smoking cigarettes. It's funny because most people that know me, they know me to be super healthy and uh, and I am in, in, in many, many ways. But I started smoking when I was 17 years old. I did it for about uh, 10 years. I took off about five years. 
And then um, just kind of, you know, here and there, I'll probably like not smoke for six months and then like go on like a week or two hiatus, smoke, and then kind of give them up again and get really sick of them. So um, during this time period, I found myself uh, smoking the last two weeks again. And the last time I went through like uh, any kind of smoking period was right around New Year's. Um, ironically, this kind of stuff was, was happening back then too, um, although it wasn't really because of that. Um, so I was discussing as, um, you know, like even right now I can find myself that I can just kind of turn it off and say, okay, well, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Uh, and because of this pattern continues, uh, it's like, I couldn't call myself a non-smoker. Uh, I could call myself a, a smoker who's, uh, um, taking like, a break. What? Yeah, like a break. taking a break. Like I'm in, I'm in queue for the next smoking session, essentially, right? Which still means that to to whatever extent I have, I'm being uh, driven by some kind of addiction, right? Because like I, like in my future somewhere, there's another cigarette, which okay. means there's a part of my brain that's also anticipating like that fix, that smoke, that experience. Um, so I've been smoking the last two weeks. My body hates it. Like my body absolutely despises it. I don't even think the taste good anymore. It's not a pleasant experience. And yet still find myself wanting to go get a cigarette and smoke it. Right. Huh. So uh, after new year's, I was really disgusted with them. I didn't touch them for like the last four or five months, maybe like here and there. I had like maybe like two cigarettes before this, um, but it really wasn't smoking. And then uh, on new year's, I bought this um, hip- hypnosis program um, that I put in here. I'm sure you guys can find it on Amazon. And it's got some like super high success rates. So I'm like, okay, because my, my intention is not to be like a person who's like, okay, I'm not smoking right now is to just be like a non-smoker. Um, and I've gone again through periods like this, but the fact that, you know, at the end of it, there's always another cigarette even years down the line, doesn't make you a non-smoker. So uh, I'm bringing this to the table because hey, I just did the first uh, hypnosis. But what I wanted to kind of like get into a discussion about is like negative or positive feedback loops specifically. Okay. Because, um, if you guys have seen on Kickstarter or Amazon, they kind of sell it everywhere now. They sell these uh, Pavlock uh, watches. It looks like a Fitbit. Yep. Uh, what Pavlock does is it gives you a, a pretty strong shock like uh, to the system. Um, so if you're doing like smoking, it's like to break a habit where every time you want to pick up a cigarette, you would shock yourself. Or if you want to lose weight, every time you want to eat a snack, you would shock yourself. And I suppose the science behind it is creating a negative association with whatever, you know, subconscious belief is there. Is that how you would see it too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've actually worn it and it's devastatingly painful. Yeah, I got it. So, which is funny because then the body wants to deter the pain. So it'll deter the, the thing associated with it. Um, my question though is, do you believe that that's how you want to program your body? Do you want to do you want to create pain and negative associations to deter you from something? Now, granted, like we don't run off a cliff because we know there's probably a really painful experience at the end there. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm bringing this up because that's kind of the methodology here. Also, is that you're putting poison into your body? Um, it's killing half a million people a year. You're putting tar on your lungs. All these additional carcinogens. You're restricting blood flow. You're creating additional work for your heart. Like everything that you could possibly do for emphysema, heart disease. Um, you know, all these really negative things. And yet there's no concern on your face. <clears throat> like if it, like he keeps saying, like, if you saw your child with a loaded weapon, he goes, you would see it on my face and on my body as like a major point of concern. He goes, I'm telling you all these terrible things about it. He goes, but he goes, are you worried? He's like, yeah, I'm worried. He goes, well, how come your actions aren't consistent with that? Do you understand? 
Hmm. Um, so again, I think he's just creating more of the context and I've read like easy way to stop smoking and he kind of goes about that too, like the yep. same, same direction. Um, so I know that that's effective to a degree. So it's just interesting because I was sitting there going, it's true. Like, you know, no matter what you know about cigarettes, for whatever reason, the association for a smoker is like, there's still a positive association somehow with it internally. So I, and then, and then that's the question I got left with is those kind of methodologies of therapy. Do you want to be, yeah. Do you want to be doing that to the body? Cause I thought to myself like Pavlov would be really cool to try and I'd almost be concerned about how I'm using it and things that I wouldn't be able to see that it's doing that I may not want it to do. And then how do you unprogram that? Mm. Because if I'm saying like every time I see a piece of cake or some sugar, I'm going to shock myself. Now I'm out in public. There's sugar on the table. My body perceives it whether I do or I don't. And I start creating stress response to the body, which I may not want. Because now instead of that, I have cortisol response the entire time. Yeah. Also not great. That's really interesting. That'd be a great question to ask Manish. So that's my question. What do you think? I, I mean, it's so funny because given all the work that we've done – it's the difference between the masculine approach and a feminine approach. Exactly. Where the masculine, and, and just to give you guys a, like a little bit of a story of, of how we, so we were in Colombia, and one of the things, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of tapping or something like that. The, what we were doing is we would experience something that felt so good and we just, wanted to ingrain it in every part of our body and guy and I would just go like this is how I want to feel this is how I want to feel and like like activate every part of our body and just you know like wake up all the cells and keep keep hitting ourselves and we're doing it and for whatever reason both of us were like you know what I don't know that this is necessarily the best approach it just it just felt so I know I know this is like not violent, but it, it just felt somehow violent. So the day after we were uh, all sharing and we were talking to Marcy and that's when it kind of clicked us that that's very masculine. And it's interesting when you're like, this is how I want to feel, right? Because now there's a feeling inside of you and a, and a experience that you're having. And what you're doing is you're going like, this is how I want to feel. This is how I want to feel. What are you doing in that moment? You're hitting and creating a new feeling in the body that now the body is like, this is how you want to feel. And you're losing the connection with the way that you actually internally are wanting to program to feel. Um, and so after that, we just created a whole new thing. And instead of using the word want, you know, we, we became very gentle, very feminine in it and, and almost just like petting your body and just saying, this is my new truth. This is my new reality. This is my new me. And so when you're bringing up this Pavlock thing, I'm kind of reminded of that, which is the jarring part versus the show it love part. Yeah, exactly. And while I think both produce results, I remember even in Million uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, right? They gave you the rubber band. And every time you had a limiting thought around money, you would like... I mean, it was a pretty serious rubber band. You would just like rip it back and whip yourself right here, which is, I have to tell you, a very painful spot to whip yourself. Yeah, sure. Rubber band. 
Um, and it I, was, could, I could tell you it's a painful spot as a, as a, someone who's got inked over there too. There yeah. you go. So um, it, it's, it's very jarring to the system. And I can tell you that Pavlock, it's a legit shock. It, it's like sticking your head hand in an electric socket. It's not like a little like, like when you do it, the anticipation of it coming, because what you could do is you can push the, you, you push the button mm-hmm. and then it charges and then it shocks, but you don't know exactly, there's no like timer for when it actually does it. So you can't be like, Dent, one, two, three, it comes. It just kind of comes. And it's the kind of shock that just sends a whole thing right up and down your body. Um, you do not want to feel it again. Put it that way after you felt it once. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because, yeah, I mean, given where I am today, to me, that's like that's like slapping a five-year-old in the face instead of getting down on its level and actually interacting with it and showing it love and softness and all that stuff, which has been working way more efficiently for me recently. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say about that. I mean, I think in this situation, I wouldn't mind, uh, my body response around smoking to be fearful, right? Because like it would, you know, like, Again, like a, it's an avoidance tactic. I think initially I'm okay with like that programming in and then actually possibly looking for the, like the gentleness behind it. Mostly because I do just want to like shock, if there's a way to shock the consciousness into having a different um, uh, emotional experience around cigarettes, because it's funny no matter how much and Carrie, Carrie just said, I'm sorry, Tori just said the same thing in there about like, I haven't smoked in six years and this weekend. I really felt like bumming a cigarette, like that emotional response is still there. So it's like, yeah, to, to an extent you're still kind of like willpowering it, you know, you might have some association. I remember when I quit for five years, my, my particular feeling about it was that I felt, I felt bad for people. Like I would watch smokers and I would just feel bad for them. Cause I could just see the prison they were in and the crutch. And that, and that was just like the feeling that stayed with me for years about it. I'm like, well, I don't want to be in a fucking prison. So fuck this. Um, and it gets easier, right? Like you don't smoke for like a week or two. It's fine. You don't even feel like you need one, but then, yeah, there's like, like anything else, there's certain triggers in your environment that happen like on a sunny holiday weekend when people are like out and about having drinks. And it's like, yeah, of course this is the time I really want to have a cigarette. Um, so anyway, just an interesting conversation. I'd be interested to see what other people thought about it. too. Here's what I can offer you. And this, this is true for anything. I'm starting to see that we just keep investigating similar type of conversations and programming over and over and over and over just at different nuanced levels and different um, strengths and weaknesses of it. When we say, when you say we, you say between me and you or just people in general, I think uh, people in general, you know, like even with our coaching clients, it's not like a one and done thing and they're never dealing with that situation again. It's just, they reach a level where it's not holding them anymore. They move, 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 move. And then eventually you get to some other hurdle experience, whatever in your life. And that instance or that feeling or that lack of or whatever rises up again. And with it generally comes this feeling of, I thought I handled this. Like, right. Why am I dealing with this anymore? So a couple of things I want to say. One, I think that in shocking the system, I think it will make you more aware. 
obviously, right? Because it's it's Pavlovian. Like that's that's what he based it off of. It's that oh my god, you're going to get triggered. This thing's going to fire. Negative emotions, all that stuff fires. In, in where where I would go, and this is true for uh, stopping to drink, uh, losing weight. Any, I mean, any bad habit, now waking up in the morning, et cetera. Yes, you can go around about it that way. The other thing, and this is what I wrote down, is as it arises, so even for Tori, right? He had this experience of like, I want to bum a cigarette. You had this experience where you're like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to smoke cigarettes this weekend. Mm-hmm. The awareness, I don't think, should be put on the act itself. The awareness should be put on, I shouldn't say should, the awareness can be put on the, what's triggering the conversation of the little boy or girl inside that you want to reach for that vice for relief. Because whether it's a chocolate cake, a drink, or a smoke, all the body's asking for is I'm in stress, relieve my stress. And so it goes, you know, guys, like, by the way, if, if, if you're in a meeting and you notice yourself going like this a lot or straightening up your tie or, or covering your stomach or like fidgeting or all that stuff, these are all stress relief things. Your brain is just sending a signal like itch this so we can relieve the stress, mm. fix this so we can relieve the stress, right? Yeah. And if you were to shock your body into every time, like, don't make me do this, you know, and you just shock the system every single time, that's not really... I don't see it as really being effective. It's just now you have a negative connotation where there was a positive connotation. Not, not to mention that. And that's my concern, right? Like that connotation's in there now and that connotation's creating uh, other associations. So it's like, for me, yeah. like a, str- a stress response in the body is not where I want transformation to occur because that stress is going to look for as many hooks as it possibly can in every situation. So now it's like, I don't know, maybe that negative association starts happening with women or with health. And it's like, you suddenly you find yourself in a malaise where you don't want to take specific actions in areas of life that seems so natural before. And it's just because you set off this chain reaction. And, and that's kind of been my like, okay. You know, I think in this case, because it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, a direct uh, threat to your health is what is concerning more than anything. And that's like, you know, the science behind it is always very concerning. Um, and that's where I'm just like, it's for me, there's just so not alignment in that. And that's always been my conversation around it that I'm always shocked when I go back to it. But it's like, again, right. You could sit here and say, well, how, uh, well then why are you smoking? And it's like, okay, well, unless you're a smoker and you've been through that, you know, you're in that addiction. Clearly we're all having the same struggle. There's gotta be some kind of psychological response under the surface of our consciousness that's creating these kind of uh, problems for us. Yeah. Well, the other option that I would offer people is in those situations, if you, if you actually want, look, the desire for smoking cigarette or eating chocolate or whatever, right? Any bad habit is triggering something. It's a reaction to something else. If instead of dealing with the reaction, you actually dealt with, well, this is interesting. Why am I having this thought right now? What is, and and just have that conversation with the little boy, like, what are you so stressed out about? What are you freaking out about right now? Because ultimately, 
that's the thing that's going to keep triggering. So if it's not cigarettes, it's going to be something else, yes. right? Because he's going to need to relieve himself some way, shape, or form. And if you use that as an opportunity to go, oh, this is why you're freaking out right now. Well, is that so? And, you know, like have that same type of dialogue and conversation with him. Um, you know, like with – I've never smoked. So uh, I maybe had like – four drags off a cigarette like four times in my entire life uh, and woken up every morning because I couldn't remember doing that every day after <laughs> hating my fucking life. You know, for me right now, alcohol has become something that I'm wanting less and less and less. Sure. And for example, this weekend I drank. And what's interesting is in that same environment with the same person, because we both really like beer and we always taste different beers and this and that. So like in that same environment, probably two months ago, three months ago, before we went to Columbia, I probably drank like eight to 10 beers in a day. You know, we went up this weekend. I had three beers over seven hours and I knew I was going in like, I knew I was going to drink. I knew we were going to taste different cool beers. It's always like uh, an event to try new things. I'm noticing less and less and less. When I first started, the little boy freaked out. What are people going to think? What are the excuses I have to make? How are people going to respond? Da, da, da. Like, do we really want to get into this conversation? I mean, all this stuff used to come up. It's coming up less and less and less because as it would come up, I would actually sit there and have a conversation with him. Like, why are you so worried about what people are going to think? And then the more I kept doing that, it would realize like, well, people don't really care and they're not really asking and they're not really putting us in these awkward, weird situations. And even if they do ask, it's like a two sentence conversation and people are like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. So it's busting up his view on reality. Yep. It's not, it's not a matter of like, I don't have to willpower the moment to be like, okay, I'm going to go into this thing and I'm not going to grab a drink. No matter what people say, I'm not going to grab a drink. Like I'm just not going to do it. And I don't like, I don't do any of that stuff. I'm just like, we're not drinking. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think with alcohol too, I've been having the same experience this last like six months to a year where I find myself just wanting to get so much less like this weekend too, is probably honestly the most alcohol I've consumed at one time in about six months. Like I just had a lot of wine. And yeah, it doesn't feel great. Uh, smoking is different for some reason yep. than alcohol, uh, at least in the way that it occurs. You know what I've, what I've noticed for me is just like when there, it's kind of like you said, there, there's a, we do like pacification things, right? Cigarettes is a, a really pacifying uh, experience yeah. um, for, for most people, I imagine. And what I just noticed for me is like, you know, my cell phone broke, my laptop broke, like all that stuff the more unexpressed emotion I have that I'm holding, the more it needs to be physically manifested in order to express itself. Mm. So um, definitely like tuning in. I, I mean, this is the first time I will say in my life that I'm having cigarettes and my, I could tell my body's like, absolutely fucking not. Uh. Like, like it's like, it's not even enjoying the experience anymore. You know, it's like, there's the part of the brain again, that's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is something we enjoy and it's comfortable. And we remember But my body's like, stop fucking doing that, man. Cause it used to be like, I would smoke, you know, let's say like a, a pack or like half a pack in a day or something when I'm like really socializing. And then I'd wake up the next day and feel like shit today. That's like one or two cigarettes. And like, I could like feel my lungs are like, come on, man. Like, you, you know better. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so that's good for me. Cause I am like, I'm at that place where like physically I'm like rejecting it basically. Um, so, so that's good. And, and I think like, again, anytime you're, anytime you're high, high vibing or higher vibe altering state with something that creates like negative vibration in the body, like alcohol yep. does, or like cigarettes do, uh, it starts feeling really fucking out of alignment. I mean, more than, more than ever before. Yeah. Again, I was just curious, like, so let okay. So let's say this works, right. Which I, which I believe it will, which means what, the hypnosis stuff. Yeah. I really do think it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and by the way, for anybody who has like someone in their life, that's, you know, um, wanting to quit or you want to personally quit, I dropped the link in there for the program. Um, I mean, it's super cheap. I think I bought it for like 50 or 60 bucks. It's 20 bucks on Amazon now. So not much to lose by, by giving it a shot. Um, and it's passive. It's not like you have to do anything. So, um, <clears throat> let's say it works. My question would then be once I program this in, I would want to find that feminine approach and focus more of my time on making it a, like, I'm loving my body. I'm loving my lungs, which he talks about too. It's like, you basically, it's like, you're, you're, you're saying that you understand the circumstances and yet you're treating your lungs like a child that you're beating up instead of like bringing all this love and attention and pleasure to your child. Um, and so I really want to focus on like the health loving myself because it's just been my, my lesson for like last month. Everything's about self-love. The, the only reason you would smoke a cigarette is that void. Yeah. If you had self-love, you would never touch that fucking thing. Yeah. So, so that, that's exactly kind of what I wanted to say is that when I think when it's just about the action, it's very difficult because all the focus is don't do that thing. So it's like a negative connotation to it. It's like, don't do that. I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to go back to my example, which is for, for me for now, you know, with the alcohol, like transitioning. So I don't go and I'm like, don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. I've just made clarity and manifestation more important. I've made feeling good and clear more important in my life and what's naturally happening without me having to force it or strategize is just that aspect goes away because the question always is like, I know that I'm going to pick this up, not this because this is water, but I'm going to pick this up and this as much as I love it. And I'm telling you guys, I fucking love alcohol. Not the way if alcohol didn't have, if alcohol didn't get me drunk, I would drink it all the time. I absolutely love the taste of alcohol. I love the different drinks. I love beers. I love wine, all that stuff. It's just, I'm feeling more and more and more the negative effect on my body and on my mind. And so when I pick something up, it has to be really worth giving up clarity to put in my body. Now, now that's become my thing. It's no longer like, oh, it's socially acceptable or this or that or what it makes my body look like. I don't give a shit. It's just like I woke up on Sunday not clear. And I was drinking on Saturday knowing that, what you know, I'm going to probably feel that way. I woke up today and I'm still in the effect of what I did this weekend. I'm not as clear. I don't have as much energy. It's just... I feel it more and more and more. And I think it's because I, I become attuned to it. So it's kind of like you said, I, I mean, I heard your voice 
be weird, like all of it. And you're feeling it. And I think with anything, like any drug that I've ever done where I used to do it a bunch, it got to the point where the day after outweighed the enjoyment of doing something in that moment. And before I would do something, I consciously be like, Elon, do you want to feel like shit the day after? Like, is this worth it for you? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer was yes. Most of the time, the answer is no. Sure. Yeah, um, he uh, he was talking about it there. Basically, he's like, your your survival response is really strong, right? Like, probably one of the strongest responses you could have. Survival, uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. So he's like, we want to uh, basically activate your survival response that's stronger than, you know, your response to wanting a cigarette. Huh. Which, which, again, like, get it. In theory, all makes sense. Totally logical. And... Do I want do I want to activate a survival response and a threat response? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know? So again, like I'm all good with that. Um, I'm gonna really focus on even when I meditate on this is to just really like love my organs, love my lungs, love my clarity, just like stuff like you said. Um, and I think that's kind of really the distinction I want to make to the table. I don't think there's probably a right and the wrong way, like anything in life. The masculine approach works, mm-hmm. the feminine approach works, they just approach it in two different directions. It's really like what do you want in into the programming? Um, I'm definitely much more committed to the feminine and like the, the loving yourself versus beating yourself approach yeah. these days. So that was kind of why it struck me as odd. I think six months ago, if I watch this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even caught it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lucas was just saying, Lucas, by the way, welcome. I think you're, uh, you're new to the show. He said, check out interview with the devil by Napoleon Hill talks about the real trap of smoking and alcohol on ambition, power, and focus, which would be a cool thing to look at. That's what I got. So that was my, my conversation. Cool, man. Uh, well, I want to pivot this like a complete total and utter 180. Cause I had a, a pretty unbelievable experience. I wrote a little bit about it in my post today and I posted some pictures and I just want to honor it. Um, cause there's truly something beautiful that, that I think very few people ever get to witness. Uh, my wife's grandparents celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary this weekend, Mm. 65 years. And I have to tell you, they actually still really like and love each other. (laughs) And I just think it's so, I'm I'm sharing this because I just think it's so important for, to create that possibility in your life. It's, it's, it's kind of strange that that's a rarity. I get the age and it, maybe it'll become more commonplace because, I mean, they got married when they were 19 years old, right? So they're, they're also both turning 85 in, in December and January. Um, so they got married really young, you know, aside from all that. Um, the grandma was a Holocaust survivor, lost everyone. I mean, everyone, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, everyone in the Holocaust. And at the age of seven, a 14-year-old kid basically snuck her out and saved her life. Mm-hmm. And I said a toast to her, and it kind of plays on what I hear from entrepreneurs all the time. And we've said it even on podcasts recently where – Every person that's reached a level of success um, in in business, let's say, had a moment 
or moments, but one specific moment where that moment created them. It either, you know, like they, they had to get through that moment to get to the other side yeah. to reach the success that they wanted. And so what I said to her was that she now has, so, so they had two kids. Those two, uh, two kids of theirs had two kids each. Three of the four of us are married. One's a little bit younger. And between the three couples, so now they went from having four grandchildren to seven grandchildren because they call us all our grandchildren. They treat us like grandchildren. It's, it's amazing how they welcomed us in. And now they have 10, 10 great-grandchildren at the age of 85 and all ages from baby to I think the oldest is now nine years old. And just to, she says this line all the time where she's like, you know, God didn't give me wealth in in the shape of money. He gave me wealth in the shape of family and love. Mm. And I said to her, you know, I don't know this to be true. And I think if someone, if God came to you or someone came to you and said, look, you're going to have to go through one of the worst things that any human being will ever have to go through. You will have to lose your mom and dad and brother and sister at the age of seven. And in return, I'm going to give you this for the rest of your life. Mm. You will know the warmest of warm family. Like there were 60 people. And this was keeping it small. 60 people were there to celebrate the 65th wedding anniversary. All the family members love each other. They're with each other through good and bad. They are the most warm and welcoming family ever that I've, I've, I've witnessed. And it's all because these two people, mm. matriarch and patriarch of the family, have built this. And so yesterday was just like such an honor of who they are and, and what this family stands for and all that stuff. And I'm just, there's no question. There's no anything. I just wanted to share this with everyone because I think it's so important to know that this is real and possible in, in life. And to me, I just walked out of there with just such awe for what I've been blessed to step into. Like I'm married into this family and Guy and I come from a very, very small family. Um, and as small as they are, we left Israel when I was seven and Guy was five. So grandparents, aunts, uncles, all that stuff were, were left behind. And it was just the four of us. It was me, Guy, and, and our parents. And so we don't really have a great, I don't know, structure is the right word. We just, we never had like the warmth of a huge family. And to step into something like that and be witness to it, I just, I just hope and pray that every single person gets to see and witness and and experience that for themselves in their lives. I know that like for me watching that, I was like, man, I've only been married for eight. This will be my not in November this year will be nine years. So I've been married for eight years. And I was just thinking like eight years, (laughs) they've been doing it for what is that? Eight times longer. (laughs) Like eight times that, basically. It's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. 
Well, so looking like so, uh, taking the higher perspective on that, taking take, taking the micro of these two people and macroing it out into terms of, yeah, just looking at challenges that are presented to us, uh, really, which are our opportunities for transformation in terms of paradigm shifts. So like, I'll tell you for me what I've noticed, like you know, the, this again, like I I I just want to stop using language like this. Whatever experience I'm having, I don't want to even put a label on it as uh, difficult or easy. Um, it just is what it is. What it what it's providing for me already, or at least with like the the light that's breaking through, is there is a if this is a core wound issue, there is a like the the feeling the unsettle unsettlement is when a foundation breaks. Does that make sense? Say that one more time. The feeling like, like if you're in a house and the foundation breaks, you're yeah. not going to feel settled being in that house. Got it. So like an, an unsettling like this, is, it's, a, it's a break in foundation because it has you question your own foundation. For, for all the work that I've done and all the things that I know about love and relationships, communication, self-love, et cetera, et cetera, not enough to cope with this current situation, right? Otherwise, I would be empowered. Uh, so if there's a disempowerment for me, it's a, it's a rattling in the foundation. Now, a foundation rattled one or two things I believe can happen. I can either go into old patterns and program back in what I already know. Or I could stay unsettled and see what I discover. Yeah. Right? So I, I knew weeks ago that I could do whatever I know to do and bring myself back to a state, right? Because I know how to uh, give up stories, yeah. which means I just wouldn't entertain a conversation in my mind anymore. And yeah. then that means the sensation would go away with it, yeah. right? Or I can just hyper-focus on just being super present to sensations, let them all pass, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this with any struggle. Hmm. Like, Life is effortless and easy. Yes, I'm not having what I would deem like a pleasant sensation. And if I'm like, if I want to rut and gut this thing, meaning like I want to punch it in the face, let me go do the masculine stuff. The feminine is like, oh, that's what's here now, right? So I'm like, I don't want to approach it the way I always have because the results have been what they've been. And I'm no longer interested in those results. So I'm in this place. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to is like, you know, trauma, trauma when it happens is fine. When we start repeating the trauma all the time, it becomes a complaint and it's something that becomes part of our existence. I think that's where the issue lies. Um, and I'm like, you know what? That's why I also like now when I share about it, I'm like, I'm trying to find this balance between sharing about it in a way that allows me to complete, but not recreate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a little bit tough because like, I want people to know that I'm in a vulnerable, like a vulnerable emotional place where I don't feel quite like strong yet. And uh, there's no, I don't really have like this negativity around it. So I'm like, well, how do I share, you know, like wh what's the share look like when I'm not being negative or, or making it sound like it's negative. Like I'm just like, Hey, I'm just seeking again. Um, so it's kind of been just like a, a question that I've been asking myself. Again, I, I, think, I think you just answered it though. You know, if you created, it's something that we talk about all the time, create the context. Whereas like, Hey, I want to share this with you and here's where I am about it, et cetera, et cetera. Then the listening of someone isn't coming from concern and worry. And is he okay? And let me fix it. It's coming from, Oh, this is really cool. Cause the way that you just explained it and guys, just, if you're listening, you know, does that make sense? You know, if someone starts a conversation like, Hey, I've been having a really interesting experience and I'm learning a lot from it. Cause now you're sharing an experience where someone like I, all I heard from that story is like, Oh, interesting. So when I'm unsettled, 
I can let that be instead of just trying to get the hell out of there and fix shit and like, it's got to be this and it's got to be that. Yeah. Um, it's a totally different context to even listen from. Well, I think, you know, look, if I, if I start doing the, let me fix it, let me do the mental programming that I know to do. Uh, again, it's been done already. The results have been seen to me. So like, it's predictable of how this will go. It's going to be like a cigarette. Like I'm going to feel good for whatever period of time I come, but like, there's going to be a circumstance where this like rug gets pulled out again, whether I'm in a relationship, out of a relationship and a business relationship in a relationship with myself, whatever. And then like, boom, core, all these core wounds are triggered again. And chances are like that might keep happening anyway, because whatever I discover has its own limitation to it. And then there might be something else that happens beyond that limitation, which is, you know, fairly, fairly regular for all of us. So it's not like I anticipate to like kill it dead and gone and like overcome it and overpower it. My, my point in all this has been kind of what you shared also. Like I'm looking at, I'm like, huh, I haven't really been in this place where I'm like, how would I recreate my identity now? Like if I had a choice right now, it's all unsettled, it's all shaken. Why would I go put old programming back in instead of sitting here going, what else could I see when I love myself? Mm. You know, uh, because it's like, it's, it's interesting to me where we don't feel complete, where there's like voids within us that we, we seek people, places and things to throw them into that void so that we can not have to deal with the void. You know, yep. we go on vacations, we buy shit that we don't really need. Yep. We get into relationships that aren't healthy for us. Like all that stuff. I'm not interested in doing any of that stuff. Like I traveled to Bali and I wasn't even present because this stuff was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, um, and how often do people do that? We like change locations so that we can like change over our, our environment. And yeah, for a period of time, that's great until it's like, you know, something triggers old programming and it's like, you're back in hell and in a new location. Now you're even more fucked because you're like, this happens here too. And you're like, let me move again. Fuck this happens here too. Let's move again. Let me get in this relationship. Fuck. I hate this. All right. Let's get divorced, you know? And, um, and it's just like this perpetual cycle. So I've just been sitting with, you know, like, you know, just what would it look like now to re-identify myself around relationships with myself, with women, with love, with sex, with, with really everything, really wanting new patterns. What's interesting is, um, so this is how it's shown up so far is uh, generally if I meet like a, a new woman that I'm interested in, um, like all of us, we love to talk about ourselves. I'm usually quite enthusiastic about telling stories about stuff in my life. I've been like the exact opposite. It's almost like the stories are the key to that past and I'm not interested in recreating that past. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I've been just like talking to people this weekend. I just found myself like usually that story would be there and like I really want to share it. I'm like, I'm not even enthusiastic about sharing that anymore. So it's been kind of a interesting thing to notice. Hmm. There's uh, something that just came up for me, which is I was making the video for the Have It All Academy, like the pot of the you know the app mm -hmm. on the landing page. And one of the things that I, I talk about, oh no, it wasn't for that. It was for the SFM video that was I was doing. I was talking about that how you called me in May six years ago and it was like, hey, you want to start a business together? And I remember for a couple of weeks going back and forth and back and forth thinking like, you know, is this right? Is this a good time? Is this not? All this stuff. And ultimately, I think the thing that shifted everything was I knew that I was going to be a dad. And the question I asked myself is like, okay, so when my son's growing up, who do I want to be for him? Like, what is the thing that I want him to know? about me? Is it that I sold out to my fears and went and got some bullshit job 
because I couldn't hack it? Or am I going to follow my dreams? And regardless of what it looks like, I'm going to keep going till I manifest that dream. And that's what he gets to witness. And I remember that being a very core driver in everything that we were doing. Like, how is he going to view me? And so I don't know if that's a good tool for others to use. Um, Sometimes I'll just future pace myself. Like, what would 10 years in the future Elon say to me right now? What would I be proud of 10 years from now? That how, you know, how I handled the situation or how, whatever. And sometimes having things like that really, really help. Like if you asked yourself back to the smoking thing, if your 10-year self, like 10-year future self was talking to you right now about smoking cigarettes, what would he say to you? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. I mean, right? Like, I mean, it, it, 10 it, years of more detriment to the body, yeah. Exactly. It, it is. It's generally really obvious. And it's and you said it on another podcast or I don't remember what we were on. And you said it, it's like I thought it was so smart and I've never heard you say it, which is. When you ask the question, you ask the question and you already know the answer. Yeah, the question is being sourced from the answer. Exactly. What you're looking for is validation and agreement. And so when we ask our future self. And that future self talks back to us. It's because we know the goddamn answer. Like we know what we're supposed to do. We know, we know all of it. It's just, ah, it doesn't feel good or it might be resistance or it might be hard. And I remembered uh, also what I wanted to say earlier, which was I was reading in uh, Russell Brunson's book. And he was saying everyone does everything for status, which is kind of another way that Landmark talks about looking good. And I was like, ah, I don't, I don't really buy that. And then he just goes through examples. So you're either, you're always looking to increase status. And sometimes things that you do decrease status and you avoid them like the plague. And so for certain habits like drinking, uh, smoking, right? There's a very big social aspect to it. And so when you give that up, there's a certain level of status that is now decreasing because in the eyes of your peers, you're no longer doing that. What I found interestingly enough with with, uh, not drinking as much alcohol is it makes other people very uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. Like it took my wife a long time to get her head around it. She's like, what do you mean you're not going to drink? That's not okay with me. I was like, Whoa. And she's not concerned about she's not concerned about you not drinking. She's concerned about her drinking. Exactly. She's concerned about her drinking. When you said that, when you said that about questions, I thought to myself, that's to kind of like go a little bit deeper on that one. The next slide down is uh, questions. We ask people questions, right? But they're sourced from our personal beliefs. Generally, we ask questions to create agreement and logic to keep ourselves out of integrity. Like we, we want to, we want to create systems that it makes it okay to continue to stay out of integrity. To be right. right. I don't know about integrity. Just, just to be right about whatever we want to choose to be right about. And you know, it's interesting. Like even with alcohol, I, I remember at my birthday party this year, people were like, Oh my God, you're going to drink. I was like, yeah, I mean, listen, it's my birthday. We got a whole bunch of good beer and this and that. Yeah. And they're like, well, I guess that's better than judging us. And I was like, Hmm. 
interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because I've never, I've never even said anything about their drinking. It's just you know, like the ripple effect of you being some way that goes against the grain. I mean, even when you and I went, we're like, we're not going to go down the finance route anymore. Like, we're going to go this way and build our own business. It made people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're fucking crazy. Like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I just think like when, when you go against the grain, what you're ultimately doing is you're highlighting the gaps for other people and the things that they are refusing to be honest with about themselves is now in their fucking face. Mm-hmm. And it makes them very uncomfortable. Well, it's interesting, you know, like I think that can go both ways on you because uh, like out here, right, the culture is no one smokes. Mm-hmm. So like like having a smoker at a party is actually quite unusual. So like I was smoking yesterday, right? I had a pack and and there's always like, let's say there's 20 of us there. There's always other people that want to smoke, but never do. And always like kind of walk up to you like a little mouse. Because like, it's a status thing. Is it okay if I have one too? Because it's like, they, again, right, right, totally status. But for me... I love being the, I don't want to say black sheep, but like, I love being the person not sheepling. So like smoking here is not, not being sheeple where like in New York, like a lot of us smoke. But if you remember when I first stopped, I remember like that, that it was like a labor day. It was like the first time I wasn't going to smoke over like a long party weekend. And I remember like the sheer panic of that because like I would watch him smoking over there and just know that like, I can't be part of that. Cause if I'm, part of that social scene, I'm going to grab a cigarette. And I remember once I made it past that weekend, I was like, Oh yeah, I can do this. And then five years went by like that. Um, but it's interesting because I remember everyone then started quitting in the peer group, but over time, everyone more or less kind of, no, I know they don't like smoke full time, but like went back to it. Yeah. Um, um, so, so interestingly enough, check this out. What just occurred to me and this, <laughs> do you remember an ILP at our closing ceremony? Do you remember that day? Like we had like the last, last class. Just remind me. They just invited everyone back. In other words, like I wore jeans to the to the thing. Okay. And it was like a big fuck you to everyone. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm wearing jeans because I fucking want to wear jeans. Yeah. Uh, where our agreement was that we could not wear jeans. Like in that course, the agreement that you agreed to was that you look nice. You know, you look business casual and presentable. And what had just occurred to me is that, you know, in this like looking good status thing, it's important to you to stand out from the group. It's important to you to not be a sheeple. And so when you get to do something like I'm going to smoke where everyone's going to be like, Oh my God. And then other people come to you that increases your status that helps you create that. I'm not part of this flow thing. Uh, I remember even when you got to San Diego, they're like, they're all fucking care bears. Yeah. And now you're a care bear. (laughs) More or less. (laughs) <laughs> but you're holding on. You're holding on. Well, a little, you got a little victories, little victories. Yeah. So just, just something interesting to, to notice, um, about that. Yeah, sure. I think that that's a good thing for other people just to notice in your life. Like, I think we also surround ourselves with people that validate that way. Yeah, I want to point out to everybody, you know, given this conversation, and again, I think most people just wouldn't expect that I've been a smoker, have smoked, because I, I see that reaction of people all the time. They're like, you smoke? And it's just so, <laughs> it just doesn't align for them. Um, I want you to notice there's no, there's no make wrong in the experience. 
Like I'm not, I'm not using, um, and that's why my question came from in the first place. I'm not using negative reinforcement on myself. I'm not shaming myself. I'm not blaming myself. I'm not guilting myself. Um, I'm not going to use that as a motivation factor for, for putting those things down. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking for the most empowering positive ways. I want to, I want a positive experience with my health versus a negative experience with avoidance. Um, so like, you know, in essence, uh, and I have a feeling that's where he's going anyway, but that it just came up for me during the question because I'm like so careful and keen. Cause I really was going to go by Pavlock. Right. And then I'm like, Nope, not going to happen. You know, because, because of that concern, I'm like, I don't know what's other side effects I'm generating in the body by creating ne- negativity. And I think it's just some for all of us to consider, like, do you, do you, and, I, and that's, I think why I picked it up, like subconsciously, I was like looking for punishment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like a glut, I was like a glutton for punishment basically at that point in time, like spiritual masochism, right? Like, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, just, just added, it was just interesting for me and it's just been interesting to observe core wounds, watching old patterns come up and then just being like, okay, how do I not do any of the stuff that I've done before with it? Like none of it to resolve this or to, you know, to whatever, to get to that next echelon. What's interesting is I think, and this will be, I think probably where we close out is, you know, San Diego is a place that people talk about the strange energy, full moons and that and the like. So there's a lot more, um, conversation around how people feel around the different energy waves that are available. Yep. So like, I feel like when I was like in other locations on the planet to be like, it's been a really heavy experience these last few months. Like if people like openly share to the point where I get like small sample sizes and it just seems like the last two months have been heavy, like energistically heavy and like a little almost like sad, but for almost exclusively everyone I talk to across the board, it's an experience of past life or early childhood trauma that's coming up right now. And it's like, I don't know why, but like core wounds are just really being triggered for, for a lot of people, it seems. So, um, yeah, if, you know, if you're having that experience, guys, like, A, it seems like a lot of us are, number one. Uh, and number two, it's like, I think that's the, the, global, the global opportunity uh, for all of us. And that's kind of like where my investigation is. I've had this identity at the core of myself for such a long period of time what does it look like to begin a completely new conversation and set a completely new foundation for what, how it is that you identify yourself that's free of the constraints and pain that have been caused in the past. If you're not clear about what that means, you may want to investigate the relationship between your mom and your dad and what you saw specifically around what you made your, what you saw your mom making your dad wrong for what you saw your dad making your mom wrong for and specifically what you made your parents wrong for Usually those three pillars is what creates our identity in the first place. Uh, And we operate out of that space most of the time. And then we just lure people into our identity through all these different strategies that we have. So it's really wonderful to at least put some consciousness around what is these systems that I created and then how do I free myself from them? Not by beating them to death, but by starting a new conversation that you can have more of that conversation. Yeah. So just to wrap things up, uh, I know we went a little bit over here today. Um, so a couple of things. One, I just want to remind people, look at what is triggering the reaction. What is the conversation? What is the stress trigger that has you reach for alcohol or cigarette or food or whatever your vice is? 
See if you can figure out what that conversation is and then be gentle with that inner child inside to have a dialogue with it and really get grounded in, well, what is it afraid of? It's just afraid. It's trying to survive. It thinks it can't survive or it thinks it's about to go into like a really heavy, scary situation and it wants to be soothed. And instead of dealing with that thing, so that that's one, two, don't try to stop doing something. Instead, increase that which you want. Don't stop that which you don't because now your, your energy is like, don't do this. Don't do this. That's where like you have to willpower. That's what Guy and I talk about. Like that's pushing something up the hill. Create a pull mechanism, right? So for me with alcohol, it's not don't drink alcohol. It's bad for you. It's I choose clarity. I choose to wake up in the morning and feel awesome. I choose to have an effortlessly lean body. That's it, right? And like, And that's the pull. So it just makes life really, really easy and it makes choices really, really easy. And then the third uh, thing that I would say is just be inside of these conversations. Don't do this on your own. Be inside a community, whether you have uh, someone that you talk to, like a coach or a life coach or a therapist or something on a regular basis, a partner, get people involved in that which you want to create. It is insanely difficult to make these kind of shifts and transformations on your own, put yourself in a circumstance, in a situation that will allow for this to happen naturally versus you having to do all the heavy lifting. Um, and that's it. That's all I got. Great tip. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so what I'm committing to is, uh, you know, I choose health, right? Like I choose loving my body over, um, putting poison into it essentially. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited. Like I, I found myself watching it today and kind of half being bored, but half like being really excited about, uh, going through a new process with it. And I actually really enjoyed the meditation. So yeah, if anybody's struggling with that, I mean, there, there's always professionals out there who are doing things at a really high conversion level. And that's kind of what I sought out. And it was so funny. Cause like, I was really like, Oh, I got this. I'll just stop again. And I'm like, we've done this before. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for new patterns. So, uh, yeah, it was cool, cool opportunity to get another look at it. Awesome. All right, guys. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Love you. We'll see you next time. Bye everybody. We're interrupting this podcast to bring you a very important message. We have huge news to share with you. So I don't know if you guys know, but for the past year or so, Guy and I have been secretly putting together a brand new training. We're calling it the Have It All Masterclass. Now, it's a very unique 100-day masterclass that's geared to unlock your true God-given potential. I'm not talking about just any old class. I'm talking about busting up all of the old useless programs and upgrading them to whole new levels. So in order to deliver this, we've done a ton of work. We've put together an app so that you can take this everywhere you go. We've even gamified the whole process so that it's easy and pleasurable to go through. Like I said, we've put a ton of time and a ton of money into creating this, and we're officially launching it in July. Now, Guy and I, to launch it, will be hosting a live class as the big unveil. And during this new class, new training, I should say, we're going to share five pillars with you 
that will help you create your have it all life. So for now, all you have to do is head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and save your seat immediately. Now, I'm going to let you know that as of now, our new masterclass will not be able to fit all of you. In fact, our intention is to actually start this very, very small because it's a live training. So as soon as all the seats are filled up, that's it. We're shutting it down. So like I said, act now. Head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and get yourself ready for some massive, massive expansion. Now, if you have a friend or a family member or someone that you really love and you want to invite them to this, please share this link. This is not going to be something that you want to miss. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends.